talking about the idea of falling back, I had a sermon idea in regard to that. And I want to talk to you this morning about falling back in love with Jesus. Falling back in love with Jesus. Is it not the case that we all find ourselves falling out of love with Jesus from time to time? I know I have. Maybe you have as well. All of us would probably answer the question, do you love Jesus with an adamant yes? But do our actions always show that? And unfortunately, the answer is, well, our actions do not always show that we love Jesus. We want to talk about this this morning. And what do we do if we find ourselves having fallen out of love with our Savior, Jesus Christ? First, we want to talk about the love between God and His people. The Bible characterizes the love that Christ had for His church as the ultimate kind of love in that He died for her. The relationship between Christ and His church is shown as the relationship between a bride and His groom. I can remember on that day, almost ten years ago, Indeed, I had so much love for her, and that love continues to grow. And so we understand that. We can reflect on that. As you think about the love that Christ had for His church, His bride, Ephesians chapter 5, it's a type of love that was so that He was willing to die for her. And that's the kind of love that us husbands should have for our wives, that We should be willing to die for them if that's what it takes. Well, Jesus had that kind of love for us. But we think about the idea of falling out of love, and we think about the context of marriage, and sometimes sometimes people find themselves, quote-unquote, falling out of love. Well, you know, this happened, but we just fell out of love. Don't you understand Side note, I think too many people have a faulty view of marriage. I think too many people have a faulty view of the commitment that it takes. I think too many people think that love is something that you just fall in and out of, and you can't help it, this love at first sight kind of feeling, and then the feeling starts to wane a little bit or it changes as time goes on. Well, I guess it's time to move on. And so too many people have this view of marriage. You can't really help it, but I am here to tell you today that love is an action verb. Love is something that is a choice that we must make every day, and it takes effort and the conscientious decision to put someone else, your spouse, ahead of you. That is love. But we think about this idea of people falling in and out of love, and sometimes we like to pass the blame. Well, it was his fault. Nuh-uh, it was her fault. When in actuality, sometimes it's both. Sometimes both are to blame. And the question becomes, who moved? And oftentimes when there's this falling out of love, the answer is both moved away from each other. And we often think of that cliche, but in a good way, illustration that 
Sometimes I have shared with people doing premarital counseling of the triangle with the husband, the wife, God at the top of the marriage. And as you draw closer to God, you draw closer to one another. Sometimes it's not that way. Sometimes you've got wife going this direction, you've got husband going this direction. And both directions are away from God and each other. Who moved? Sometimes the answer is both. But I want to ask you, when it comes to falling out of love with God, we ask that question again, who moved? What's the answer? We did. If we have fallen out of love with God, with Christ, our Savior, it is not God's fault when the relationship has been strained. It's sin's fault, which ultimately means that it is our fault. I want you to take a look at Jeremiah 31, verse 3. Jeremiah 31 is a wonderful chapter that is dealing with the love that God had for His people. What does this book deal with? It deals with the uh, coming captivity that they're about to go through. But even so, God has not moved. It is the people, because of their sins, who have moved away from Him. God is there all along. He wants them. He wants to reclaim them, to redeem them, because He loves them but they will suffer the consequences in Babylon because of their sins. But you read in Jeremiah 31 verse 3, The Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. In this context of Jeremiah 31, the prophet is talking about the redemptive love of God as he would save this remnant that is going to come out of that captivity, ultimately with a new covenant that is going to be coming in Jeremiah 31, verse 31 and following, which is the covenant that Christ would bring. And so we have a picture of the redemptive love of Christ, but we see the love of God at various points throughout the Bible. We see it both in the Old and the New of the Testaments. Deuteronomy 4, verse 37 Deuteronomy 4 verse 37 says, And because he that is God loved you, your fathers rather, therefore he chose their descendants after them, and he brought you out of Egypt with his presence, with his mighty power. Now I want you to think about something this morning. I want you Christian or you who is not a Christian this morning. If I'm speaking to you and you're not a Christian this morning, I want you to think of something. That book that was written for our learning, Romans 15, verse 4, you go back to it, you think about God's people living in Egypt, and that is a type of you if you have not come out of your sins, you have not come out of the bondage, the slavery of sin. That is a type of your situation today. If you're a Christian, it's a type of what your situation was before you came out of sin. And what is revolving around the ability to come out of it? The love of God. Also in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 7, verse 8, but because the Lord loves you and because He would keep 
the oath. He would keep the promise. What promise? We talked about it recently, Genesis 12, verses 1 and following. The promise made to Abraham that in his seed all nations of the earth would be blessed. They would receive this land. They would receive a mighty nation. And in those descendants, all nations of the earth would be blessed through the coming Messiah, Jesus Christ. The Lord loves them. And because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand, with a powerful hand, and redeemed you. He bought you back from the house of bondage, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Go to the end of your Old Testament, Malachi. Malachi 1. Malachi 1, verses 2 and 3. 1, 2, 3. Malachi 1, 2 and 3. I have loved you, says the Lord. Yet you say, in what way have you loved us? Israel once again has fallen back into their sin in this context. After the captivity, was not Esau Jacob's brother? says the Lord, yet Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated, and the idea there is loved less or or, uh, preferred Jacob in a special way, and that through his descendants this seed promise was coming. What about the book of Hosea? Go back in your Old Testament a little bit. What about the entire book of Hosea? Can you read the book of Hosea without realizing the immeasurable love of God? Not if you're paying attention, right? What happened in the book of Hosea? God tells the prophet Hosea to take Gomer, who's going to commit harlotry against him. But he takes her as his wife, and Gomer represents Israel in her unfaithfulness. But what does Hosea do? He takes her back. He redeems her. And that is a beautiful picture of the love that God has for us. And that He was willing to take us back. He was willing to take Israel back, even though they had been unfaithful. What about the New Testament? John 3.16, For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. Whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. What about Romans 8? Romans 8, verses 35 through 39. Who shall separate us from the... Love of Christ. Nobody, except ourselves. Nobody's going to separate us from the love of God, but you know what? We can separate ourselves from the provisions of His love. He still loves us even then, but He has provided for us a Savior. And you know what? If we don't love Him back, we can separate ourselves from the provisions of God's love. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress? What about persecution? What about famine? What about nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Do you think the persecuted Christians needed to read this in the first couple of centuries? When Nero and Diocletian and And all those guys were persecuting them heavily. Absolutely, they needed to read this. 
They needed to know that in spite of what they were going through, God had not forgotten them. God still loved them all along. Yet in all these things, compare those things to the things in your life. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. We can overcome it. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the what? From the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What does that sound like? That sounds like what we've been studying in Ephesians, doesn't it? Again, notice the powerful parallels throughout the Bible. So if there's a problem between us and the provisions of God's love for us, the question is, who moved? We did. It's not God's fault. It's ours. Let's talk about leaving our first love. Why do we do it? Well... Probably the same reason the church at Ephesus did it. Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2. You know, Jesus had a lot of positive things to say about the church at Ephesus. He says that they were hard workers. He says that they were patient. He says that they did not put up with evil. He says that they held accountable the false teachers, those who were false apostles. It says that they were found to be liars. They also dealt with correctly the false doctrine of the Nicolaitans. But Jesus had one problem with the church at Ephesus. They left their first love. Why did they do that? Well, I don't know exactly everything that went into them leaving their first love, which basically means, you know what, they were doing a lot of the right things, but they didn't have love as the motivation behind it. Love for who? Love for God? Love for one another? You see, box-checking Christianity okay, I'm going to do this right because I know i got to do it and this and this and this and this, without love as the motivation behind it, it's not going to do you a bit of good. They had left their first love. Look at verse 5. Revelation 2, verse 5. Jesus says, Remember. Why did they leave their first love? They forgot something. Jesus tells them, you better remember because you have forgotten something. Forgotten what? Forgotten what Christ did for them, perhaps? Forgotten about His love? Forgotten about His word of His promise? And so Jesus tells them, remember. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen Where were they before they became Christians? 
fallen because of sin. Then they become Christians. Jesus is their first love. And now he says, remember from where you have fallen. You were in a place of salvation, but now you've fallen back again. Remember from where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works. What does he say then? He says, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Why do we leave our first love who is Christ? Same reason that the churches at Ephesus left him. We've forgotten the love that he had for us and we've forgotten the love that we're supposed to have for him. Finally this morning, I want to tell you about the situation. If you have fallen out of love with your Savior, Jesus Christ, what kind of situation are you in? It's not a good one. In fact, it is a very precarious situation. Whatever reason, you may be thinking this morning, you know what, I have fallen out of love with Jesus Christ. I have not been putting Him first in my life. can't remember the last time I prayed, truly prayed. You know, I say this thing all the time, but am I even thinking through what I'm saying? I've not read my Bible very much lately. I've not taught my children very much. I've not reached out for help with my struggles with sin. James 5 verse 16. Brethren, confess your faults to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of the righteous avails much. Do we believe that? I've not attended very faithfully. Worship, Bible class, midweek Bible study. One of the things that, and we're going to get to this in a moment, they always kind of, in, in school they told us, you know what's going to happen if you preach on attendance? They're not going to be there. You know what is the case if somebody's got an attendance problem? They had a heart problem first. They're not seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Matthew 6, verse 33. And so if the ball games are more important, the hunting's more important, the fishing's more important, whatever the case may be, is more important than being here and worshiping, praising God, and being with your family, your brethren, to build one another up and encourage one another, if those things are more important than that, your heart is not right. I'm not guarding my thoughts, my speech, and my actions. I'm lashing out in anger all the time. I'm grumbling. I'm disputing. I've had a bad attitude lately. I'm not fellowshipping with my brethren. I've fallen out of love with Christ. 
If that is you this morning, it's a very dangerous place to be. Second Peter 2, verses 20 through 22. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world, through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the latter end is worse for them than the beginning. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy commandment, deliver to them. But it has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to its own vomit, and a sow having washed to her wallowing in the mire. If you have fallen out of love with Christ, that is you, brethren. I want us to look at one more passage this morning. Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10, verses 19 to the end of the chapter. Therefore, brethren, having just an inkling, having just a little bit of hope, having just a little bit of confidence, having boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. by a new and living way which He consecrated for us through the veil that is His flesh and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the confession of our faith or our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Brethren, when we go to this verse and this verse alone to try to cure somebody of their attendance problem, we miss the point. You will not cure an attendance problem by putting a band-aid on it with Hebrews 10.25. It starts 
It starts much earlier than that. They're not reading this. You pull one verse from the book of Hebrews that they're not reading anyway, and they are not going to care. The Hebrews writer says, consider one another. Did you know that one of the most inconsiderate things that you can do as a Christian is to forsake the assembly? Consider one another. Why? So that we can provoke one another to love and good works. We're encouraging one another. We are pushing each other forward. We're saying, come on, brother, come on, sister, let's go. Until brother or sister so-and-so is not here. And by the way, sometimes we are here. We're in the pew, but we're not here. How do I know that it is an absolute sin to miss on purpose and with with no true reason, right? We understand there are reasons sometimes that people can't be here. We understand that. But how do I know that it is an absolute sin to miss on purpose when you can be here? Look at verse 26. For if we sin willfully, after having just talked about that, After we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. But a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which which will devour the adversaries. I don't know about you, but when I read that, I tremble. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses, of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot? You ever done that? We better all be saying, yeah, we have done it. And forsaking the assembling is one way that we do that. There's other ways to do that too. What do you do when you trample the Son of God underfoot? You count the blood of the covenant by which you're sanctified? A common thing. Take it for granted. Take it in vain. And insulted the Spirit of grace. For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. 
It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But the same thing that Jesus told the church at Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2, guess what? Hebrews writer is about to say the same thing. But recall, remember the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great struggle with sufferings, partly while you were made a spectacle, both by reproaches and tribulations, and partly while you became companions of those who were so treated. Romans chapter 8, we talked about that, the persecutions that they were going through. But guess what? You're not separated from the love of Christ, even though those things are happening. For you had compassion on me in my chains and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods knowing that you have a better and an enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that you, after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise for yet a little while. And he who is coming will come and will not tarry. God is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to the knowledge of the truth. Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him, but we are not of those who draw back to perdition. Christian, this morning, say it, repeat it. We are not of those who draw back to perdition. You need to convince yourself of that. You need to put it in your heart, and that needs to be your thought all the days of your life. I will not give up. But of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Amen? Think about your life this morning. If you're not a Christian this morning, why not? Why do you wait, dear brother? Why do you wait, dear sister, put on Christ in baptism for the remission of your sins, having repented of said sins, believing on Christ with all of your heart and confessing that this morning? Be baptized into Christ or if you need to come because you've left your first love. You've fallen out of love with Christ. Please come as together we stand and sing. What's up, guys? It's Caleb and Michael over here from the Scattered Abroad Network, and we just wanted to say thanks so much for listening to this episode. Yeah, we're so thankful to the East Hill Church of Christ for overseeing this network. And we're grateful to God for this opportunity. And don't forget, you can check out our show notes below for all of our social media links, email address, website, and we have a monthly newsletter, so don't forget to sign up for that. Please remember to leave us a rating or a review on whatever platform it is that you use, and please continue to keep our network in your prayers. As always, thank you again so much for listening. Be ready tomorrow. We have brand new content coming out here on the SAN. Thanks so much, and God bless.